pressure to perform, pressure to just be here and put on a fake front, you know. Sometimes we feel that way. I know I do. You know, oh, man, they're going to see me, and I got I to gotta be a certain way. And uh, that's not of God. You know, sometimes we feel pressure to give, pressure to be who someone we're not. And I was telling her that I feel a lot of pressure, even at work, just to perform, to be something that I'm not required to be by him, by his standards. I'm not required to feel pressure to be something I'm not. I know I have to yield to him, and he'll provide everything that I need. I shouldn't have to pretend like I'm doing something or perform a certain way so I can meet certain standards that this world wants Amen. me to. You know, and I've just been telling her that I feel a lot of pressure sometimes. The world coming and pushing against me, you know. And that pressure is there because when I'm seeking God, the world's trying to conform, have us conform to the things of this world. And that pressure, man, it's, it's tough. If you let it, it'll get to you. And I know I've had days where I've let it got to me and it just brought me a certain path in a certain way. You know, we got we to gotta be careful for pressure to just to give too, you know. Um, yeah. If you feel pressure to give tithes and offerings, you shouldn't have to. You know, I I committed this year, you know, to be faithful in every finance, every area of my finances to the Lord. And, you know, once I committed, I, I felt no pressure, you know, because I can't really give what already belongs to him. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how we say, oh, I'm going to give back to the Lord. You can't give what already belongs to somebody. Yeah. Returning. Amen. So we're going to pick up our tithes and offerings. And uh, I'm just thankful to be here. You know, I, I'm always moved by the presence of the Lord, you know, uh, to come together with you all in worship. It's something that strengthens me. Amen. We're going to pick up the offering. The ushers can come. Lord, we thank you this morning for the presence that we feel in this place. We thank you for always providing, Lord God, for the return and the tidings of our offerings unto you, Father, I pray. Bless the tithes. Bless the gift and the giver, I pray. Be in the midst of us, Father. Let us be aware of your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for everything you provide and everything you give. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning, Father. We worship you and we trust you, Father, in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As the ushers pass here, I wonder if we could just thank him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for being a friend. I thank you for being a father. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, oh God. That I don't deserve your peace that passes all of my understanding. Lord, you are so good. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, you have won. 
won the victory.
seated in majesty. You are the risen King. Praise God. Why don't we lift our hands if we're able? And could we thank Him right now and love Him? We worship you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for the sovereign visitation of your presence, the ministry, and the manifestation of your spirit. We love and adore you this morning. We praise you today, God. How great you are. How great you are. We worship you, the living God. We worship you, the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when that song becomes real to us, it changes everything. It changes everything. I mean, do you believe what you sang? Do you believe he's won the victory? Do you believe that? Do you believe the Lord has won the victory? Thank you, Jesus. Thank so I have a question for you. Has he won victory over everything you're facing or fighting in your life? Has he won the victory? Yes, he has. He has, hasn't he? And when we have a confidence that he has already won, we can take every care, every burden, every battle of life to him. We get to where, man, I can't fight. I don't even know what to do. But he's won. He's won. I was praying the other day, and the Lord spoke a scripture into my spirit. And it just came back to me just now. The Lord was, of course, speaking to a king through a prophet. But he made this statement. He said to the king, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Sometimes in our lives... We stay in places fighting a lot longer than we should because we are fighting rather than trusting it to the Lord and saying, Lord, you have to fight for me and letting him do so. That doesn't mean we lay down and give up, you understand? But we recognize I can't do it in my ability but with God, who has already won, I'm promised victory. I'm promised victory. In Jesus' name, I feel the strength of the Lord today. Now, you may say, man, I don't feel strength. Perfect. Perfect. You say, I feel weak. I feel weary. Perfect. The Word of God says that His strength is made perfect in my weakness. So you're, the adversary is wanting you to beat yourself up because you're feeling weak. You're just in a prime position for the strength of God to be perfected. 
You're just in a, a prime place for God to show himself strong on your behalf. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't feel strong. I feel weak. I need the strength that comes from you. I need the strength that is yours. I need what only you can do. I need you. Nothing wrong with that. That's what he would desire of you. You understand, God brings you and I into places where we can't fix things. Is that God's great punishment? No. It's God getting us in a place where I go, man, I need him. 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 I have not arrived. Matter of fact, I don't plan on arriving. By his grace, I plan on staying in a place and a posture where I need him. I don't want to get so strong that I don't need him. I don't want to have everything together so I don't need him. I need him. If you look at me and you think, oh, man, he's got it together. I wish this or that. I promise you what you're seeing is simply the result of him. It's him. It's him. He's my strength. He's my strength. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated if you'd like to today. I appreciate so much your worship and the privilege of worshiping the Lord with you this morning. I felt I so appreciate the clear witness of the Holy Ghost that is here. I um I have to be careful sometimes, lots of times. I'm a uh anybody we got any people watchers in the room? Uh, a few honest ones. Yeah. Um when I was traveling in airports a lot more, that was one of the fun things about airports was people watching. And um, it's interesting if you're not careful, even when you're in an airport, people watching, you can you can begin discerning things and picking up things. And you're like, well, that's interesting. You're like, I know I'm not supposed to go over and talk to that person right now, but... Um, Although there's been times where that has happened, but our our human nature is a funny thing, isn't it? I haven't forgotten classes yet, so we're okay, just in case. Our human nature is a really funny thing. Um, I reflect on as I, as we were worshiping today for whatever reason I was thinking about Acts chapter 7 we're just talking for a minute I was reflecting on Acts chapter 7 where Stephen was going through all the things he was he was preaching he was declaring the word of God to these that were listening and declaring, he was taking them from all the way back in Moses. He was bringing them through where God's hand had always been working, where God's hand had always been. He, he was reminding them again and again of all that God had done and all that, all that was pointing to Christ. He was showing them all the things pointing to Christ. And these people were hearing this, and I, I can read Acts chapter 7, and I'm thinking, man, I feel the Holy Ghost just him talking about it. And I, just reading that chapter... 
So clearly, as Stephen was sharing these things in Acts chapter 7, I mean, he didn't open and read Acts chapter 7. It was just recorded. He was standing there talking to people uh, outdoors somewhere. They were having this conversation, and he's under the anointing of the Lord as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. He was yielded to that anointing and speaking these things out throughout Acts chapter that we read in Acts chapter 7. His sermon's recorded there, what you might call a sermon. Uh, but his ministry is recorded in Acts chapter 7, and these men are hearing it. And there's an evident anointing upon Stephen. The power of God is ministering, and it finally gets to a breaking point, if, if you will. Stephen makes this statement. It's like he's been yielding to the flow of God and pouring out from the flow of God and and declaring the word of God as the utterance of the spirit of God is coming to him. It's just flowing out of him. I mean, he didn't grab a scroll and start in Genesis and then get another one. He was yielding to the inspiration of the Lord. And he's talking to this group and they're hearing and he's identifying with the moving of the spirit of God and but they're not. They're not. I'm not. I'm not saying you're not. You understand? This is this group he's talking to. They're not. And finally, he's had enough. Except it's not him, the man, that's had enough. It's the Spirit of God still through the man that says, you can see when the Spirit of the Lord turned when you're reading Acts 7. And finally, Stephen, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says, can you imagine how they felt? You stiff-necked, you uncircumcised people. Read it. It's in there. I don't think he said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised people. I don't think so. He was feeling the Spirit of God trying to reach to somebody trying to reveal himself to somebody, trying to do something in a life, trying to open their eyes. Was God unable of doing that? Was God incapable of doing that? No. But they had hardened their hearts. They had decided not going to receive what's trying to get to me. I'm not going to allow what I'm feeling and what I'm hearing to get to me. I'm putting on my shell. I'm putting on my exterior. I'm putting on a hardness of heart. I'm going to be here and I'm going to listen. But I am not allowing what I'm feeling and what's coming from that man to get in. And, and they hardened their heart. And the Spirit of the Lord called them out on it and said, You're stiff-necked and you're uncircumcised. Stiff-necked. Not willing to look any other direction. Uncircumcised. I have a question for you. Were they uncircumcised? No, they were circumcised. So what was the Lord addressing? Their heart. 
He was speaking to circumcised Jews. I promise you, those religious men were circumcised. They'd done the religious stuff. But when the Spirit called them uncircumcised, he was saying, you have not allowed the Spirit of God and the Word of God to cut away the fleshly veil of your heart. Because if you read, that's what New Testament circumcision is, the cutting away of the veil of the heart. So the Spirit of the Lord said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised. And notice what that attitude of being stiff-necked and uncircumcised did. You, this is the action it produced in them. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. See, we have to be careful. There's a whole lot just to say this. We have to be careful, every one of us. Circumstances will come our way in life. And if we're not careful, we'll get upset at God because of life's circumstances. And we can come into a time of prayer together, a time of worship together. We can come into the house of God together. And we can decide, not today, God. I'll be here. But God, I'm closing off my spirit today. I'm just going to get through the service. I'm closing off my heart today. I'll sing maybe. You know what I'm talking about. You're as human as I am. Right? It's possible to come into the presence of God. But go, you know what, today, here I am. Praise God, hallelujah, he's the king, amen. No, I'm not going to cry. Now I'm being a little facetious. But please hear me. If you ever feel that in your spirit, can I implore you? To repent before God in that moment and say, God, I need whatever you have for me today. I don't want to close myself ever to the Spirit of God. We can do that. We can do that. That's the power of the human will. I can close myself off to the Spirit of God. You say the Spirit of God's more powerful than that. It is. But because of His Word, He won't violate your human will. And so the Spirit of God will move all around you, He'll come to you. But if you will not open your heart and spirit, that's as far as He'll go. And He can bless somebody on your left hand, your right hand, the front, and the back. He can be ministering to their needs while they're just singing a song and worshiping God. And you'll walk out and go, I don't know, man. I just, I just nothing happened. I, I needed something. But, and sometimes that's just a product of I've closed my spirit today. I want to be careful. I don't want to close my spirit ever to the leading of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. I want to take a minute. Is that okay? I'd like the Jimenez family to come up front. The whole caboodle. That's an Arkansas word for like everybody. The whole caboodle. Woo, isn't 
Isn't this a gorgeous family? Look at that. They didn't know I was going to do this. You see, that's why they're like, oh, my God, what are we doing up here? So I should have done it last week. They all had new dresses, although there might be some new ones again today. So is this like, like a beautiful family? Like, really, isn't it? Really. So, you know, the Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. And you all recognize this week in and week out, but you may not know this. Week in and week out, we come and we go and we come and we go. And, and we use the restrooms and we wash our hands, right? And we do those things. And we come and we go and we sit down and we come to the altar and we grab tissues and blow our nose and then we wash our hands, right? We, we do all these things. Well, what you may or may not be aware is week in and week out, week in and week out, this whole family, it's not a one-person show. I've, I've watched every one of them. This whole family comes in weekly and volunteers their time, vacuums, restocks tissues, cleans the bathrooms, windexes the mirrors, puts toilet paper so it's there when you reach over. Oh, the little things. They do that. They, they go through and they dust every window seal so that it's clean. They spray every seat. They, they do all these. They vacuum every row every week. They vacuum the foyer, wipe down the windows out there, dust off those benches that we sit on. They, week in, week out, week in, week out. They just serve. I love watching Alyssa run around or Mariah or Melanie. Or, it's really cool watching Brother Juan with a vacuum. <laughs> and so we just want to say thank you. We appreciate it very much. And it's noticed <laughs> and important. Amen. Amen. I know they don't want all that, but. Sometimes you need to pause. Aren't you thankful it's clean when you walk in here? Aren't you thankful there's Kleenex up front? Aren't you thankful that bathroom's clean when you go in there? All right. Amen. Uh, I'm also going to ask Ethan to come for a minute. I want to take a moment and recognize him. He volunteers his time every week, too. It's ministry, and I know for the Jimenez it's ministry as well. Um. Oftentimes, and I know he's my son, and so that's always a delicate balance, right? Uh, but separating from being my son, he serves with a heart to serve. Uh, he's usually here on Sunday by 7.30, if not 8. He's here for both services and one of the last ones to leave. Week in and week out, week through the week, he's practicing and playing through the week, he's waiting on the Lord for songs. He's trying to find. And he gets to carry that. You know, you can call and say, man, I'm not feeling well today. I'm not going to make it. He has to think long and hard about communicating that to me. <laughs> you know, really. And so we don't take for granted, you know, the, the presence of the Lord we felt today. He and these ladies that led us in worship didn't create it but they created an atmosphere. And we were in, in it, and it's a result of prayer and worship and waiting on the Lord. And so I appreciate Brother Ethan giving week in and week out each service and serving. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen.
Praise God. I'm going to dismiss teachers to their classrooms. And I know many people do many things, and we appreciate that. I just, in prayer yesterday, I felt the Lord deal with me about those two families, individuals, and their consistent giving of their time and energy and effort freely, looking for nothing in return, um, but giving freely week in and week out hours and time to the body of Christ. And I thank God for them. Amen? I, I came here yesterday, just another example. I, I came here yesterday, as many men did, for prayer. And uh, got here a little bit early, and Brother Joel Garcia was already here. He was out in front pulling weeds. He had taken the lights down off of the front porch so he could take them back to his shop and clean them and wash them. And he'd put them back up later in the afternoon. And so... The little thing, right? The little thing. But he saw something that, like, ah, you know what? That should get taken care of. And he said, who better to take care of it than me? He took care of it. And so I appreciate that very much. And appreciate clean lights on the front porch. Amen? Praise God. We're going to dismiss children ages 4 to 11 to their classes. God bless you as you go. good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. I appreciate the spirit and the presence of the Lord. Amen. I know we talked about it last Sunday. I, um, Brother Johnson, I'm going to call on you in a minute. That caught me by surprise. It probably did, but I want you to come and take a minute or five or whatever in just a minute. That's your warning right there. Um, you know, everything we need is in Jesus. Everything. If you need a friend, he is a friend that is closer than any brother. He is. And sometimes he lets us go through places of loneliness so that we'll come to know him as a friend. If you need direction in your life, he is a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. A shepherd that will give direction a sheep. Now, direction doesn't always tell you where the destination is. The direction of a shepherd is sometimes just a staff reaching out and going, ah, not that way. Sometimes it's just a rod reaching over and pushing, going, ah, no, that direction. And so it may be a nudge here and a nudge there, but he is a shepherd. If you need healing, he is a healer. He is. If you need peace, he is the prince of peace. I, I, I have felt the Lord 
so vividly these last few days, expressing this to me again and again and somehow desiring to convey it to us. Whatever you need, he is. Would someone please lay hold on that today? Whatever you need, he is. He is. Well, but I need, okay, he is. Well, but in my life right now, I, okay, he is. Everything you need, he is. Here's what has to happen, though. I have to purpose that I'm going to look to him to be what I need rather than trying to fix what I think needs to be fixed or do what I think needs to be done. I'm going to look to him. Everything you and I need, he is. You say, I need help in my marriage. Well, he is the counselor. He is. He's the counselor. I, I can keep going. I think we get the point. He is. There's a song. It's not an old one. I know that surprises you. I know a song that's not an old one. But it, it's probably one of my favorite because it ministers so much to this point. And it says, the song says, when you find he's all you have, you'll find he's all you need. When you find he's all you have, you'll find he's all you need. And there are times in our lives where the Lord allows you and I to go to a place where all we have is him. You say, but if he loves me, why? Because he loves you. He lets you and I go to a place where nothing else will satisfy what's aching or hurting or longing or needed. Nothing else. He wants us to know everything we need is in him. Everything. My job situation. He is. Financially, I don't know what he is. He's a provider. Everything. Is, is, is this getting in your spirit this morning? Everything you need. Amen. I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. I have some ideas, maybe. Uh, Brother Johnston, please come. Take two minutes, take 20 minutes, whatever the Holy Ghost does. Can we just thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy and that he is our provider, that he is our way maker. Father, we thank you today, God. You are everything I need. Lord, I'm helpless without you. I'm hopeless, Lord God. Without the grace of God to help me understand you're everything I need, Lord God. 
You are the way maker. You are the provider, oh God, of every need today, God. Of every need today that is represented here, Lord. Even those that are listening, Lord, whatever the need is, God, that we could turn to you, Lord. Begin to seek your face for your will and plan and purpose in this situation that I face today, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a phrase that frightens me, that causes me very great concern in the church world. And I hear it from congregational people, not this congregation, but in witnessing and ministering to people. And this is the phrase that they say to me that concerns me deeply in error. And they make this statement. They say, I am the priest of my own home. The statement is made that I don't need a pastor. That I... The word I had to tell the whole story. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Because when I say I, I'm saying I'm in charge. I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to do this or to do that. And, and, and it's, a, it's a big word out there. It's a big phrase. We hear it a lot in ministering to people. When we ask them questions, who are you submitted to? Who, who is your elder? Who is your pastor? Uh, and so what I'm watching is a lot of people attending churches, but when they walk in, they're still in charge. Jeremiah 3 and 15, the scripture said concerning God, he said, and I gave you a pastor after my own heart because you can't run your life. Well, I was 24 years old before I came to God. I can prove in my own life I sure didn't do very good. And some of you that have not been raised in church understand you can't govern your own life. And coming in and, and understanding the importance of submitting myself to a man of God in my life. The Bible calls him a gift. He's a shepherd in my life. Uh, I, I am so thrilled to be here. I am so thrilled that Elder Hart is my elder. Uh, I don't know how you look at this, but I learn every time I came, come in this building. I, I take notes. I got a pen. I got paper. And I'm, I'm writing. Wow, that was awesome. That, I needed that. Oh, there's some direction for my life. Oh, that's bringing revelation. That's going to help me. Why? Because I come in and I submit myself to him. As I'm submitting myself to God. See, you say, well, I'm going to submit myself to God, but you know the rest. Of no, 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 no. you you got to have both because God flows through the man of God in my life, and he helps me. He leads me. He guides me. You, you can never. The other thing I want to put with this is you can never lose the reverence and respect to that office. I think we made a grave mistake years ago when we quit addressing school teachers by their last name. 
Yeah, they call them everything but their name. Because when we lose respect, it, it dominoes. And so where is that going to stop? I'm concerned even in the denominal world where we call everybody by their first name, the pastor. You say, you're just old. I am, but that's okay. <laughs> but see, I've been, I'm old enough to watch what happened when we quit reverencing and honoring people that need to be addressed in a certain way because it's the office that they hold. Do you realize that your elder holds a higher office than the president of the United States? The president is simply making decisions on economics, foreign uh, ministries, and, and things are going to happen. That. The man of God in your life has the job of working on helping you make heaven your home, dealing with your eternity, spending it somewhere. His weight is far heavier in his responsibility than the president of the United States. He's not going to answer to God for the souls of men. But the man of God will. And so I have to realize I'm going to honor that man of God. I'm going to thank God for that man. Well, he doesn't tell me everything I want to hear. Great. I'm glad. He's here to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. He's not here to tickle my ear. Oh, your sin's okay. It's not really that bad. You know what I mean. You'll be okay. No, no, it's not okay. That, that's starting out small, but if you let this continue without repenting, this could destroy you. So we have to understand God's gift is the ministry, the office that they hold. Now, we're not here to exalt the man, and I, I know what Elder's saying, and I think he feels my spirit where I'm, what I'm talking about. It's the office that he holds. He's the prophet in your life. He's the Moses of the Old Testament in our lives today. God's going to speak to him, and he speaks to us what, what God is speaking to him. And that's why we're growing in grace and in knowledge. That's why we're coming into the fullness of the, uh, of the stature and the nature of Christ in our life. Why? Because a man of God is preaching to me. He's helping me build a personal relationship with God. Not that I take over, but that God stays in control of my life. But I need that man of God to lead me in that way. I can't Get there on my own. I can't be the priest of my own home in the idea that I will run my family and I will call the shots. I may need to be the head of my home, the priest in my home as far as leading my family in devotion, bringing them to the house of God, teaching and, and, and putting into them godliness, righteousness, and true holiness. That may be my job in the home, but I'm submitted myself to the man of God in my life to get me to heaven and help my entire family. I need a pastor. You can't be saved without one. If, if I'm the priest of my own home, then why did God give us a pastor? If I don't need a man of God to tell me how to live my life and what I need to do, then, then why am I even coming? See how the devil can blind us and lie to us about, about you know, the role of, of, of why I come to church? Can you see why people get so frustrated in just coming to church? when they lose focus of the man of God's job? Because they want to 
call the shots. I don't want to call the shots. There isn't anything I don't ask this man about before I do. Can I make this statement? I'm an ordained minister. <laughs> I've been pastoring about 40 years. See, I can't say, hey, I can call my own shots. I'm not no kid. It ain't my first day at church. We were sitting at a table, Bishop and all of us, in the transition of me retiring. When I looked at Elder Hart, I told him, I am going to be the best saint you ever had. I'm not coming to cause you any trouble or problems. I'm here to submit myself to you. And what you want me to do, what you don't want me to do, what you want me involved in, what you don't want me involved in. So you all got a lot of work to pass me. <laughs> I want to be the best saint because I want to please God. I don't want to make, I'm not after making points with elders. But I've held that office, and I got just a little understanding <laughs> of what it's like when you submit yourself to a man of God and let him lead you and guide you and direct you in that direction. You know what is so awesome about God? Because there's principles in the Word of God. Do you realize that when you come to a man of God for counsel, please take it. Don't just waste his time. I've had people coming to me for this, you know, 20 times. I thought we had this conversation just two days ago. What they did, they wouldn't listen to the counsel, or they would start telling me why it wouldn't work. I shouldn't have done it, but I, I remember one guy looked at him, and I said, we're done. I said, I've told you what you needed to do, and you're unwilling to do it, and this conversation stops right here. Do not come to me with that again. You say, you're kind of mean. No, no. We went over this over and over and over to where when I needed to get to first-time visitors, I couldn't get to them because we're dealing with this. It was just a trick of the devil. The enemy was trying to use him to take up my time when, come on, I gave it to you. In my years of living for God, whether it was a district superintendent, my presbyter, or my pastor, Every time they've asked me to do something, I've did exactly what they told me. And you want to know something awesome? It all worked out. Did you know sometimes I'm going, this, I don't like this at all. This is not the answer I was looking for. This is not the direction. I, I was wanting you to agree with me. and you. Can, but, I, but I knew this. If I took that man's time, I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. And it has always worked out. See, because I know he's God's man in my life. I can't be saved without a pastor. This is God's plan. This is not what we put together. This is what God put together. And by putting that together, God wants us to submit. You know, the Old Testament talks about Moses and Aaron and Ur, Ur and uh, raising the hands of Moses in the battle. wonder how many men would say, I'm going to raise the elder's hands. I'm going to help him hold up his hands. I'm going to get behind him. I'm going to submit 
to the will and to the mind of whatever the Spirit of God is leading my elder in. I'm going to get behind him with every ounce of my energy and every ounce of my strength. I'm going to get behind him. And in places I need to repent, God help me to repent. In areas where my attitude isn't quite right. Isn't it amazing? In 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, it, it talks about we are bought with a price. You are no longer your own. Therefore, uh, glorify God in your body and in your I can do the right I can do the right thing with the wrong spirit. I can do the right thing with the wrong motive. What I might get out of it personally versus my motive needs to be God that you're glorified and that this is what you're asking me to do therefore I'm going to submit myself to you and do it because I want to have a right spirit and I want to glorify you in how this is being done because God is submitting to me. Am I making any sense? We, we've got to, he, he can't really say this stuff. And I'm sitting in prayer this morning wondering, why is all this going through my head? <laughs> why am I dealing with, oh, and I, there's actually a couple times, Elder, I shake my head, okay, I got to get over here on another thought process. But see, I had no idea this was going to happen this morning. Could we take a moment right now? And if you struggle with this, I'm the priest of my home. Could we repent? Understanding, I know somebody made that statement somewhere, but they were wrong. That wasn't good advice. That isn't something that I need to follow because it's not scriptural. Could we ask God to help us? You know, we hear things and say, man, that was awesome. I like that. Was it biblical, though? Good phrase. Sounded good. I'm the priest of my home. Well, that sounded good. Me, 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 I, 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 I. Versus, no, I'm not going to let that spirit get into my spirit because God doesn't operate that way. In the word, he gave me a pastor after his own. Because I can't lead and guide myself. I need the man of God in my life. Could we take a moment and just pray? Maybe I'm not speaking to anybody today, but maybe I'm speaking to somebody that, that something has rose up. Maybe you're, you've gone through a little bit of a struggle and you ask advice from somebody. And, and they said, well, you're the priest of your house. You don't have to listen to him. You don't have to submit yourself. Oh, yes, I do. God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray this morning, God, in repentance, Lord God. That if I have rose up, God, that I would be the priest of my house, that I would call the shots, that I would be in control, God. I pray for that precious blood of Jesus Christ right now, God, that cleanse me of all unrighteousness, cleanse my mind, cleanse my thought, Lord God. Help me push this out of my mind, God. Help me push this out of my spirit, Lord God. And help me submit myself, Lord God, to you and to submit myself to the man of God in my life that leads me and guides me and directs my life, Lord God, that tells me what I need to hear, not always what I want to hear, but what I need to hear in my life. And I pray this morning, God, help us, Lord. 
Help us, Lord. It is your gift to us, Lord God. It's what you've given us, Lord God, to lead us and guide us in our walk with God, in our ministries, Lord, in waiting on you, Lord God, as you direct the man of God in the timing of everything, Lord God. We come to you today, God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We can't do this in ourselves or in our flesh, Lord God. But, Lord, we come here to submit today, God, submitting ourselves, Lord God, one to another, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just thank the Lord for what he's doing right now in the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, um, you know, praying in the prayer room, I almost went over and asked Brother Johnstone to plan to take some time today, and I just sort of waited. And, well, you've been in here. You've witnessed how this has come to be. It, uh, had I known the Lord was going to have him say those things, I might not have. Um. I trust the Lord. I trust he knows our heart. And I know so many of you. I, and I respect and I personally receive what was shared, Brother Johnston. I, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't pray for Bishop and Sister Schoonover. They're a covering to my life. They're a place of submission in my life. I need a pastor. Now, I appreciate Brother Johnstone clearly defining the difference between the office and the man. You know our goal is never to promote a man. I trust you know that. And um, you are precious people. And by God's grace, we seek to declare his counsel, whether here from a podium or whether when we're having one-on-one -on -one conversations or whether we're sitting around the table or wherever that may be. And I thank God for his goodness and his willingness to talk with us. Amen. And I think if you've been here any length of time at all, you know full well that God's method and our method is not to try to run your life. I think if we went around the room one by one to anybody that's been here at all, I don't know that we've ever tried to run anybody's life. That's not what the Lord is talking to us about. It's about a matter of our spirit. And I want a submitted spirit, don't you? I really do. I want a submitted spirit. I, um, I was telling somebody the other day, I, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes and we're going to release you today. I feel like the Lord just continued to talk with us. Um, maybe you can go to John chapter 8. But I was, I was telling someone the other day. I, I find myself as I'm, as I'm getting older, having crossed the fifty threshold. I find myself praying more and more along the way when I'm, during the times that I'm talking to the Lord and asking the Lord to talk to me about my own life that I want a I want a teachable spirit 
And I want a spirit that will embrace correction and instruction. Now, I've, I've had to battle with that at times long. I'm as human as you are. And, uh, you know, anytime someone gives us instruction or correction, pride likes to question their motive. Why are they telling me that? Why are they trying to tell me? Well, it's just because this or it's just because that. You know, sometimes the Lord will bring a word of instruction to us that may seem so crazy, but all the Lord is doing is testing and proving what's in my spirit by how I respond to that correction or instruction. You remember Naaman in the Old Testament, the Syrian leader that had leprosy? Anybody remember that story? You can read it in the Kings. He had leprosy, but he had an Israelite servant, a young girl that was a servant in his house from Israel. He had leprosy. And this little girl said, I shouldn't say little girl, this, this maid that served his home, this young lady, she said, oh, I would that my master were in Israel for there's a prophet there. Word got back to Naaman. Naaman, because he was a man of uh, position, went to the king of Syria. The king of Syria wrote a letter for Naaman to take to the king of Israel and said, I understand you have a prophet and that this man has leprosy and the king of Syria rent his garments. Who am I that I can cure leprosy? Well, the prophet in his bedchamber knew what was going on. The Lord had already been talking to him. And so Naaman went to the prophet's house, Elijah's house. And when he got there, Elijah told his servant Gehazi, he said, just go out and tell Naaman to go dip in the Jordan seven times and he'll be clean. Did you catch that? That was instruction. Naaman, go dip in the Jordan seven times. That's instruction. Who'd the instruction come from? The Lord. Who delivered it? Who? The servant. It wasn't even the prophet Elijah that delivered it. It was at the prophet Elijah's house. Gehazi was under the prophet Elijah. He was submitted to Elijah. How do we know he was submitted, at least in some part, because he did what Elijah told him to do. He went to Naaman and told Naaman what Elijah told him to tell him. Naaman turns mad. He was mad. You know the story? He wrote off mad. Why was he mad? I thought. You can read it. That's what he said. If you read. Naaman says, I thought, surely. See, he already had predetermined in his mind what he thought would happen. And it didn't go the way he thought. And a matter of fact, pride, 
He said, there's cleaner, better rivers in Syria. Why would he ask me to go dip in the... And he was mad. Thank God, Naaman had a servant with him that was submitted to Naaman. And Naaman, I can imagine this servant being very careful because Naaman was angry. See, Naaman forgot that he was trying to get an answer to his situation. He didn't like the instruction he received, even though it was simple. See, Naaman was concerned about how the instruction he received made him look. Pride. He had his entourage with him. What are they going to think if I go in that dirty Jordan? They're watching me go. He said, I thought surely the, this prophet would come out of his house and wave his hand over me. See, his pride was insulted. The prophet didn't even come out and acknowledge him. You think the Lord knew Naaman? You think the Lord knew Naaman's heart? So what was the Lord doing? I'll give you an answer. But are you going to receive instruction if it doesn't come the way you want it? Are you going to receive instruction if, oh, the prophet didn't even acknowledge you? He just sent his servant to you. And then he just. See how we are. The Lord will give us instruction to check our spirit to see how our spirit is. You realize Naaman could have just said, I don't like it. It's crazy. But that's what he said. Do I'm going to go do it. But he took himself through all that range of anger and emotion and storming off and. Thank goodness he didn't have a bad heart. He might have had a heart attack and never made it. Sometimes we put ourselves through so much stuff just because we won't follow simple instruction. Finally, his servant on the ride back to Syria, I don't know how far they'd got, but finally he got the nerve to speak up and he said, Master, if he had asked you to do some great thing, Would you have done it? He just asked you to dip in a river seven times. What's the harm? If it had been grand and great, you would have done it. Why don't you just, and I know the scripture doesn't say all this, but this is the essence of what the servant said. It's a small thing. Why don't you just obey? Thankfully, it got through to Naaman. He went and dipped in the Jordan seven times. He was made clean. Sometimes the Lord will give instruction you don't like just to check mine and your motive and how I'll receive instruction. I just want to get to the place in my relationship with God that when I get instruction, I'm like, yes, Lord. Okay. And the Lord will give you instruction through human beings, children of God, people of God, and you have to determine, is God talking to me or not? All right, stand with me. This proof, I'm going to be really quick, but I feel the need to share this portion of Scripture with you.
You receiving all that this morning? Amen. I'll tell you, if you feel like you're sort of at an impasse or a roadblock in your life, at times, that can be the result of not following through on the last instruction you were giving, given. The Lord dealt with you or the Lord spoke to you and you knew he did, but then you didn't respond and follow through. And so the Lord just leaves you right there. He doesn't leave you. The Lord lets you remain right there at that place until you follow through on the last instruction. I want to read this quickly and we'll go today, but I feel like it'll tie in. The Lord's just been dealing with me about it. I was reading it this morning. John chapter 8, verse number 29. Follow along with me. John 8 and 29, Jesus is speaking. He said, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Man, I want that testimony right there. I really do. I want that testimony right there. I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, watch what Jesus says. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, then... Are you my disciples indeed? See, continuing in his word is a requirement of being his disciple. I can't come and say I'm his disciple and then stop continuing in his word. That's what Jesus said. Watch. And, I love this part, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise God. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say to you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You're in bondage if you're in sin. That's what Jesus is saying. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Verse 36, Jesus repeats verse 32, but he changes a word. Verse 36, he says, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Verse 32, he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Verse 36, he said, if the Son makes you free. Did you catch that? Jesus, the Son, said, I am the way. I am the Ah, if the Son, if the truth, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now watch. Verse 37. Please notice these next couple verses. Jesus says to them, I know, because remember they said we're Abraham's seed, we're never in bondage. Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. And here's why you seek to kill me. Because my word 
has no place in you. This is important. This is a clear word from the Lord. You seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Now, you remember what Jesus just said earlier here. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. But now he's addressing these that are hearing him, and he's saying, you're seeking to kill me. And the reason you're seeking to kill me is because my word has no place in you. Now, we can read right past that going, man, I'm glad I'm not one of those religious leaders that he was talking to, one of those, oh, but he was speaking to us. That word kill there can mean exactly what we think it means, and of course, in this situation, it did because these people wanted to take his life. But the Greek word that Jesus used there has a dual meaning. It can also mean to put out of the way. Jesus could have just as easily said, you seek to put me out of the way because my word has no place in you. In other words, Jesus, what you're saying, I just can't let it agree or get in my spirit. And so I'd rather just sort of put you over here out of the way than allow you to be the center of my life. Because if you're at the center of my life, I have to deal with your word that's confronting me. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus said. You seek to kill me or you seek to put me out of the way because my word has no place in you. What does that mean, no place in you? And I'm finishing. What does that mean, no place in you? It literally means, this is what Jesus was saying in the Greek, literally. My word is not advancing in you. You are not progressing in my word. He didn't say you're not hearing it. He didn't say you're not nodding your head and agreeing along the way. He just said, my word's coming to you, but you're not advancing in my word. And my word is not advancing in you. And you're not progressing in my word. When I read this, the Lord dealt with my heart. And he said to me, How much time and how many messages will you hear? That you'll determine which ones you want to put me out of the way. And which ones you want to let all of the word advance in you and progress you in my word. Because if my word that you hear doesn't have a place in you. If my word that you hear doesn't advance you. And doesn't cause you to progress in my word. It's because you haven't given it place. And what you're really doing is just putting me out of the way. I'll never forget a sermon. I believe it was Brother Doug White that preached it years ago at a youth convention when I was working with youth some 18, 19 years ago maybe. 
He had a stack of papers on the side of the podium. And he picked one up. He read the title of a message and he threw it off. He picked up another one, read the title of a message and threw it off. Picked up another one, read the title of a message and threw it off. And I can't remember the window of time that he, this, he did this for quite a while. There was paper everywhere all over the altar area and the platform. He said, these are the messages I've preached the last number of weeks, months, years. I can't remember. And he said, these are messages that will judge people. The people that heard the word. The people that heard the word. And did the word come and do something in my heart? Or did the word come and move me in a moment, but then I walked out? And I never advanced or progressed in the word. Does that make sense today? James said it this way. I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. For if I hear the word, but I'm not a doer of the word, I'm just like a man that turns and looks and beholds his face in a glass or in a mirror. I look in a mirror, and when I look in a mirror, the Word of God reveals to me what I really am and how I really, it shows me my areas where the love of God and the power of God is wanting to work in my life, and I see it when the Word begins to shine. But then I turn and I go away, and James said, I immediately forget what manner of man I was. The Word of God came and spoke and shone and illuminated in my life, revealed something in my heart. Maybe I wept and cried, went to an altar, God dealt with me. But then I got back up after the word had illuminated and showed me, and I went right back. And for, if I didn't begin to progress in the word, James said, it's like I just looked, and then as soon as I got up and walked away, I forgot what manner of man I was. If I hear, but I don't do. I just feel the Lord, and maybe he's just dealing with me in a different way right now. But I really feel the Lord. Challenge me, make sure you're not putting me out of the way. Make sure you're not putting me out of the way. It's some of what Brother Reuben said. It's not about performance. It's about a relationship with him where when his word deals with my heart, I want to please him. And so I take the word and I meditate on the word and I digest his word. And I go, okay, God, how can your word live in my life? What does my life look like when it's progressing in your word? What does my life look like when your word is advancing in me? Those are things I want to ask him and I want him dealing with me. Amen. Lord, I thank you today for the precious, beautiful people of God. I thank you for your word that cannot fail. It is forever settled in heaven. I pray let your living word progress in us. Let your living word advance in us. Let us not seek to put you out of the way in any way, but we draw near to you. I pray let your word, O oh God, be written upon the fleshy tables of our heart. Guide our feet according to your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. I need your word, Father, not just this written word, but, oh, I need the rhema of God, this spoken, uttered, declared word of God. 
And I want to receive it. Any areas, Lord, where I've been, get, been calloused and resisted, forgive me, Lord. I want to receive instruction. I want to receive your word and walk in it. This world in which you've placed us needs your word. We are designed to be vessels and instruments of your word. And so let it work in us and let it work through us and let it proceed out of our mouths. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God and praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. I feel like I got all kinds of stuff I've received today. Just sort of laying hold on all of it. Uh, Next Sunday, we will not be here. Next Sunday, combined service in Union Gap starting at 11 o'clock. All right? Uh, We'll send out a WhatsApp reminder with addresses. It's going to be a tremendous time together. I'm looking forward to our time together in worship, in prayer, ministry, what the Holy Ghost will do. Uh, Come expecting, believing. Be prayerful this week. Uh, That will be next Sunday starting at 11. And more likely than not, today will be our last Sunday where we have two services. We believe we're probably going to transition back to one service starting uh, July the 24th or 5th, 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 thank you, July the 25th. Um, But we'll communicate about that for sure once we know. Amen? God bless you today. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.